Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Tonight I'm going to be talking about Exodus chapter 9 and chapter 10, plagues, judgment, and hardness of heart. But let's review the plagues that we've already covered. We did uh, the first plague of the water turning to blood, and we met the god Happy, and Happy is not joyful. Happy is the name of the god, and, and if this god had existed, which I don't think she did, wouldn't have been happy because the Nile turned into blood, fish died, um, people couldn't drink the water. Uh, they had to dig for groundwater in order to get any water at all, and uh, it disrupted the entire uh, life in the country because a lot of the people lived along the Nile River, and, and now that was blood. So the water that they drank, the water that they irrigated with, was not usable. Um, I, I do believe, and this is an opinion, and other people have other opinions, that um, the first several plagues were divinely orchestrated but connected uh, plagues that happened, one connecting to another to another, but in their timing and their severity, uh, divinely orchestrated, because the next plague had to happen after Moses would go up to, to Pharaoh and speak to him. Otherwise, it wouldn't make any sense. And I, I believe that this is actually red algae. Um, now, it, I could be wrong. It could be blood. So you could have a different opinion. Um, it would be enough to cause the problems that they have here. And uh, there are red algae um, blooms that happen in rivers. So um, it, it's one idea uh, that a particular person had. I'll talk about him as we go, get, go along here. But... That was the first plague. Um, next was the plague of frogs. The frogs left the river because the river turned into blood. And then once they're out of the water, being amphibians, they need moisture. If they don't get moisture, they die. So the frogs came out, wouldn't go back to the river, and they died. And that was a public health problem. And um, there was yet another um, god involved, Heket, which is actually a goddess. Um, childhood, fertility, uh, had a, the head of a frog, not, not the most attractive in the pantheon. And then we had uh, the plague of lice, which could be gnats. So the, the word is not specific. Uh, it could be, it, one opinion is that it's a kind of a, a midge, a very small fly that uh, likes both um, dead matter and also likes to bite people. And I don't know if anybody has ever come across these flies, that we have them here. They may not be the same species, but these really teeny flies that bite and they're really annoying anybody. Yeah, okay. But imagine a cloud of them, and that's what they had. And uh, there was another god that was related. Now, 
there are more than one god in each plague that was related because they had such a large pantheon. I'm just bringing one in to be representative. And the reason why I'm doing that is because the plagues as a judgment on Egypt and was also a judgment on their entire worldview that revolved around a, a pantheon of gods and goddesses. And uh, that was important. So it wasn't just God speaking to the nation. He was speaking to Pharaoh and he was speaking to um, their entire religious worldview. And uh, in this case, Geb was the god of the earth. And yes, had a goose on his head. And, and if you're a kid, you might think that's funny because he's got a goose. Who would have a goose on their head? Isn't that kind of silly? Yeah, I think it's kind of silly. And then the next plague was the fourth plague. That was the last plague I talked about last time. And the first plague that did not affect the children of Israel in Goshen. And that was uh, flies. And in this case, a fly that, again, likes both dead matter and bites. And they do have a fly like that in that region. It's the stable fly. But it, the plague happened after Moses spoke to Pharaoh, and it happened suddenly, and it happened with intensity. And there was another god, among other gods that were involved, and that was um, not, not the most attractive name, kind of a weird name to us, but in, in that language it had a different meaning. And turned, the wife of Geb, the goddess of the sky, and um, the mother of a lot of the important gods in the Egyptian pantheon. Along the way here, we're going to look at some perspectives. We have Moses and Aaron. Moses was reluctant when he was first called by God. Aaron, they don't really talk about. He's gone along with this so far. I, we don't know how he felt about it, um, but he's there. He certainly was with his brother. We have the children of Israel who've been on board for the first three plagues. Why would the first three plagues befall them anyway? Um, I never really thought about that before. Why would God let any of the plagues befall the children of Israel? He had to have a reason. Uh, could it be that he needed to get their attention? to let them know that these plagues were real and that after the first three, when they stopped uh, being the recipient of the plagues, that uh, God was showing his, his protection over the children of Israel. And we have Pharaoh. I'm going to be speaking a little bit more about Pharaoh uh, later on, but... Um, he's part of what, as I was preparing this, it was something missing. As I'm putting it together, I was talking to Pastor Paul and Pastor Vinny. It's like something is missing in, in preparing that I need to talk about, and it, and, and I it has to do with Pharaoh, so I'm going to talk about that later. And we have got the wise men, sorcerers, and a lot of times they were the same. You had your wise men who were sorcerers. And, and members of the court uh, who have opinions. And um, 
I didn't have this last week, I threw it in. Servants of the Egyptian court, they tended to be slaves. And slaves were often Asiatic slaves, they didn't have to be. Asiatic, what they called Asiatic slaves were included people who came from uh, the land of Canaan. So it, they would consider uh, the children of Israel to be Asiatics. And then, of course, the people of Egypt who have these plagues befalling them without any explanation because back then it's not like they had a 24-hour news service. This had to be a terrible disaster for them, especially if they were farmers or if they were people who were fishermen. But you know, anybody who had to draw water out of the Nile had a problem. First from the um, river turning to blood and then having all that dead fish. So we're, we're going to be considering perspectives of people along the way. And we're going to begin with chapter 9, 1 to 3. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and tell him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will be on the cattle in your field, on the horses, on the donkeys, on the camels, on the oxen, and on the sheep, a very severe pestilence. Going to verses 4 and 5. Then the Lord will make a difference between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt, so that nothing shall die of all that belongs to the children of Israel. Then the Lord appointed a set time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. And going to verses 6 and 7. So the Lord did this thing the next day, and all of the livestock of Egypt died, but the livestock of the children of Israel, not one died. Then Pharaoh sent, and indeed not even one of the livestock of the Israelites was dead. But the heart of the Pharaoh became hard, and he did not let the people go. And as we've done before, we're going to meet a god that was related to, in this case, cattle. And that's Hathor, the goddess of love and protection. And it is one of the few gods and goddesses, but not the only one associated with bulls and cows. There are a couple of diseases that could have been transmitted by insects in the earlier plague that could have done this, or this could have been a unique illness brought by God. If it was something that was transmitted by the insects, and there were a lot of them, many more of them than there ever were before. Um, there are a couple of candidates, uh, the African horse sickness and the blue tongue disease. And um, you can see Pharaoh's heart was hard, even in the face of, of the food supply here, the cattle, uh, being endangered um, by the illnesses that were happening to them. Why would he do this? Does that seem like good government to you? It doesn't to me. Uh, he's got a major public health problem. He's got a water problem. 
and he's got cattle dying, so the food supply's going. And a lot of the people in Egypt that were poor didn't have a lot of meat, so a lot of the meat went to um, the army and went to the upper classes. So this impacted everybody in Egypt, but it particularly impacted those who ate meat. It also impacted um, um, temples where sacrifices were made. I thought a lot about um, what was going on here with Pharaoh and, and his hardness of heart. I'm going to have more to say about it later, but uh, keep it in mind. It's because I always used to, when I, I was puzzled as to why his heart was hard, it wasn't just that God hardened his heart. His heart was hard already. But there had, what was his thinking? I wanted to know what was inside his head. And, and it wasn't until this week that I had maybe an idea, maybe a guess. So I'll let you know what I think as we uh, uh, get to that part. But we're going to move along to the next plague. So uh, this is Exodus 9, 8 and 9. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, take for yourselves the handful of ashes from a furnace and let Moses scatter it towards the leaves in the sight of Pharaoh, and it will become fine dust in all of the land of Egypt, and it will cause boils that break out in sores on man and beast throughout all Egypt. And going to 10 to 12, then they took the ashes from the furnace and stood before Pharaoh, and Moses scattered them towards heaven, and they caused boils that break out on sores of man and beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils. For the boils were on the magicians and also on all of the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Okay. Um, Certain people in the court who had responsibility of either appearing before the king or taking part in religious ceremonies, they couldn't be ill. They couldn't have um, skin diseases. And uh, having these big, obvious boils all over their bodies, painful ones, um, meant that they couldn't serve as they normally would. So the entire religious structure of Egypt had come to a grinding halt as a result of this. And yet it wasn't enough. Pharaoh had not changed his mind. He hadn't changed his heart. And God took that hardness and made it even harder. But we need to meet another of the pantheon of gods. This would be Sekhmet, the goddess of doctors and healing, and also a, a, a goddess that could actually send plague. So this god had, goddess had the power to send plague. Yet, the way this happened, it looked like it was in spite of Sekhmet. It certainly didn't look like it was um, that god's will because of everything that had happened before. So you couldn't say that, that, that she was involved. And certainly, people weren't getting healed because of her. And yet, Pharaoh had a hard heart. We'll go to... 9, 13 to 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For at this time I will send all my plagues 
to your very heart and on your servants and on your people that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. Now, if I had stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, then you would have been cut off from the earth. For indeed, for this purpose, I have raised you up that I may show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all the earth. 17 to 19. As yet you exalt yourself against my people in that you will not let them go. Behold, tomorrow, about this time, I will cause very heavy hail to rain down, such that has not been seen in Egypt since its founding until now. Therefore, send now and gather your livestock and all that you have in the field, for the hail shall come down on every man and every animal which is found in the field and is not brought home, 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 and they shall die. He who feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his livestock flee to the houses. But he who did not regard the word of the Lord left his servants and his livestock in the field. Okay, here we have God issuing kind of a challenge. Back when he said that that he had prepared Pharaoh and the people of Egypt so that he could show his power and declare his name in all the earth. And then giving him a warning about the plague that was going to come so he could protect the animals. What kind of upstart God is this? And what must it have been like for Pharaoh to hear it? You see, he was God and man at the same time. He was divine. And I'll I'll get into a little bit more detail further on. So this was an affront to him, and this was part of, this is why his heart was so hard. He was the representation of the gods. And regardless of what anybody else was saying, he was going to hold out. He still thought the gods of Egypt would prevail and that this was only temporary. And who was this God to, to su- even suggest that he could challenge the gods of Israel, regardless of what had happened up to this point? And there were people who because they still believed in the pantheon of the gods and they still believed in Pharaoh as the representative of the gods and they saw his example and they followed it, they didn't pull in their cattle, they didn't pull in their people because they thought that their gods would still prevail and maybe this was the battleground that was going to happen, the hail, and that their gods would prevent the hail and thereby prevail over this god of the children of Israel. Okay, going Exodus 9, 22 to 23. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand towards heaven, that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, on man, on beast, and on every herb of the field, throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched out his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and fire darted to the ground. 
and the Lord rained hail on all the land of Egypt. 24 to 26. So there was hail like fire mingled with the hail, so that it was heavy and there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail struck throughout the whole land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. So the hail struck every herb of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, was there no hail. So it happened. Whatever they thought was going to be prevented did not get prevented. Imagine hail like golf balls. Okay? That's the kind of hail that was falling down. Now, there was other things, too. There was fire mixed in with it. It, it, It's possible that there could have been a volcanic eruption somewhere on, on the earth and it came from that. It also could have come from the hand of God. Certainly, he was capable of that. But how to have it happen so that it happened everywhere but Goshen, the exact place where God said it would not happen? He said it would happen in Egypt except for Goshen. I wonder if there's any smart Egyptians who were near the border of Goshen who decided to take their cattle into Goshen. Well, there was a god, one of several involved with storms, and this is Set, the storm god, one of the most powerful gods, one of the most well-known gods. There was also the wind god Shu and the sky goddess Nut that we met before. She also was involved in what goes on in the atmosphere. And um, they, were, they were all ignored as if they weren't there because they really don't exist, but the Egyptians believed they did. Okay, now we're going to press on to chapter 9, 27 to 30. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said to them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous, and my people and I are wicked. Entreat the Lord that there may be no more mighty thundering and hail, for it is enough, and I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. So it looks like we've got some movement here. But do we? Um, 9, 27 to 30, And Moses said to him, As soon as I have gone out of the city, I will spread my out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease, and there will be no more hail, that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But as for you and your servants, I know that you will not yet fear the Lord. 31 to 32, Now the flax and the barley were struck, for the barley was in head and the flax was in bud, but the wheat and the spelt were not struck, for they were late crops. So what we see here is Moses saying that he was going to stop it, but then pointing out to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians that even though they were saying the right things, they weren't saying them wholeheartedly. What it must have been like Pharaoh to hear, to hear that because he knew what was going on in his own head, and then to have Moses tell him. Also, I wanted to point out in um, verses 31 and 32 that uh, while the hail 
struck down part of the food supply of Egypt. It didn't strike down all of it because some of the crops weren't um, far enough along to be damaged. They were still in the ground. So God had pronounced a judgment, but he hadn't pronounced a judgment so great to destroy Egypt as a nation, to have it starved to death. But things were not going to be easy for Egypt uh, for the foreseeable future with, after losing so much of the grain. And by the way, spelt, not one of your better grains. Spelt was more of an animal feed. Um, in Ezekiel, um, there's um, a part of Ezekiel where God instructs Ezekiel to make bread. And he lists a bunch of grains, including spelt, and he makes the bread. And that was to be the bread of punishment. Now, if you've seen Ezekiel bread, either advertised in a store or on the internet, that's the part of the Bible they're going to. And we bought some Ezekiel bread. And after having some of it, I, I referred to it as the bread of punishment. As it turned out, neither my wife nor Tabitha liked it. So guess who had to eat the rest of it? Me. Yeah, the bread of punishment. And there's all, they also made um, soft tortillas. So the soft tortilla of punishment. It, it wasn't any better as a tortilla. But... Um, that's what it meant for Egypt. They were, weren't going to starve, but they weren't going to have the best bread going forward. Okay, Exodus nine thirty-three to 35. So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and spread his hands to the Lord. Then thunder and hail ceased, and the rain was not poured on the earth. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain, the hail, and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet more and hardened his heart. He and his servants... So the heart of Pharaoh was hard, neither would he let the children of Israel go, as the Lord had spoken by Moses. So he reversed himself. He was giving lip service before, saying the right things. Maybe he didn't mean it. Maybe he was planning to stop them later. But um, we can see now where his heart really is. And we're going to go into chapter 10. Now the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine before him, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and of your son's son the many things I have done in Egypt, and my signs which I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. Picking up with 3 and 4. So Moses and Aaron came into Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go, that they may serve me, or else, if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your territory. The 5 and 6. And they shall cover the face of the earth, that no one will be able to see the earth, and they will eat the residue of what's left which remains to you from the hail, and they will eat every tree that grows up for you out of the field, and they shall fill your houses and the houses of your servants and the houses of all the Egyptians, which neither your father nor your father's father has seen since the day that they were on earth to this day. 
And he turned, and he went out from Pharaoh. So this time he comes in, gives the message from God, turns around, and leaves. It's kind of like a mic drop. Um, Pick up with seven to nine. And Pharaoh's servant said to him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not know that Egypt is destroyed? So Moses and Aaron were brought to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go and serve the Lord your God. Who are the ones that are going? And Moses said, We will go with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and our herds. We will go, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. 10 to 11. Then he said to them, The Lord had better be with you when I let you and your little ones go. Beware, for evil is ahead of you. Not so. Go now. You are men and serve the Lord, for that is what you desired. And they were driven out of Pharaoh's presence. So that was his way of saying, Nope, it's just going to be the men. It's just going to be the men. And that wasn't what Moses said. It's not what God wanted. So you know what happens next. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt and for the locusts, that they may come on the land of Egypt and eat every herb of the field, all the hail that is left. So Moses stretched out his rod over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind on the land all day and all that night. And when it was morning, the east wind had brought the locusts. Okay. So we had the crops that were damaged were near harvesting anyway. So there were some people thinking, you know what? Maybe the hail did the job for us of knocking it down. We'll just collect what we can and and let's see what we can salvage. Wasn't going to happen. And God sends a wind to go and divert plagues of locusts that are all over. Send them right to Egypt. Has anyone seen on television... Oh, well, actually, has anyone in person seen a plague of locusts? I have not. We've got a couple hands who've seen a plague of locusts. Okay. Okay, has anybody who has not, I haven't, seen what a plague of locusts look like um, on TV? I have. I've watched nature programs. And if you go on YouTube and you, you type in... Um, plague of locusts, you'll get some videos for the story in Egypt, but you'll also get some video of actual plagues that have happened around the world, and you can see what it's like. Because locusts, are, are, they look like a kind of grasshopper. Grass, grasshoppers aren't that bad, are they? But what if there are so, so many of them that they, they're like a big cloud? Now, they're not going to eat me or you, but they're going to eat anything that they can. They're going to eat any kind of plant life they can, they, they can eat. Um, maybe if locusts can eat anything that, that is not living material, they'll, they'll eat that. I don't know, fabric, I don't know. But they're also going to be on, all over the place. And for people who don't like insects, this is going to be terrible. It's not like those little bugs. Bad enough that those bugs bit. But these bugs are big, and they're clingy, so you have people who are going to be covered by these locusts, 
and then the locusts are going to be eating all of the food that is available to them. Well, we have another god to meet. It's Osiris. And um, he is one of the big gods, one of the most important ones, one of the well-known gods, and, and you might have, you probably have heard. How many people have heard of Osiris? Okay. Well, he's one of the big important gods. God of the afterlife, gods of resurrection and regeneration, god of agriculture, who couldn't stop the plague of locusts. And he's also the son of a couple of the other um, gods that we had before, Geb and Nut. They even had one god. I, I couldn't find a lot of information, but it was supposed to be a god of to prevent plagues. And then I was thinking about a popular internet meme that you have one job. So this god that had one job couldn't do the job. That's what happened. Okay, picking up with 10, 14 to 15. And the locust went up over the land of Egypt and rested on all the territory of Egypt. They were very severe. Previously, there had been no such locust as they, nor shall there be any such after them. For they covered the face of the whole earth so that the land was darkened. They ate every herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees that the hail had left. So there remained nothing green on the trees or on the plants of the field throughout the land of Egypt. Going on from 16 to 20. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now, therefore, please forgive my sin only this once and entreat the Lord your God that he may take from me this death only. Then he went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord, and the Lord turned a very strong west wind, which took the locusts away and blew them into the Red Sea, and there remained not one locust in all the territory of Egypt. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he did not let the children of Israel go. Okay, going to 21 to 23. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand towards heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, darkness which may even be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, so there was a thick darkness over all the land of Egypt three days, they did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. So again, children of Israel are protected. I've lived in populated areas all my life, and I haven't had the chance to go anywhere really remote. Has anyone had a chance to go anywhere really remote? Anybody? Camping? Okay. Has anyone ever, if you've been out there, have you ever been out there so it's been so dark that you couldn't find your way around? All right. Because that, that's what it must be like. I just have never had that. And yes, there's another god. Actually, there are a few gods. This is Ra. This is one of the biggest gods. The sun god. And another of the best-known gods. And there was also Aten, who was the actual sun. They worshipped the sun as a god. And there was Horus, the god of the sunrise. And there were several other gods that had something to do with the sun. 
And it was a big deal to the Egyptians, this whole daylight thing. I and mean, it would have been a big deal to anybody simply because of the disruption in life. After all these other things have happened, three days of darkness, no way to clean anything up, no way to try to um, look for any food, even if you could find any, they're in darkness. I can't imagine what that's like because I just haven't lived through a disaster where you had the disaster happen, then there's no power, then there's darkness. I've never lived that. But I imagine it would be something like that. That's the closest thing that I can think of. I can't fathom what this was like. Moving on, Exodus 10, 24 to 26. Pharaoh called to Moses and said, Go serve the Lord, only let your flocks and your herds be kept back. Let your little ones also go with you. But Moses said, You must also give us sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock shall also go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind, for we shall take some of them to serve the Lord our God. And even we do not know with what which we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. So they... Uh, Moses ups the ante and says, not only do we want to go sacrifice, but we would like you to give us some animals to take with us to sacrifice. And and we're going to take our animals too. Maybe we'll sacrifice them. Maybe we won't. We just don't know yet because God hasn't told us. You know, that God that caused all those plagues, well, he'll tell us when he's good and ready, just like he told you when those plagues were going to happen. Um, 10, 27 to 29. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. Then Moses said to him, Get away from me, take heed to yourself, and see my face no more. For in in the day that you see my face, you shall die. So Moses said, You have spoken well. I will never see your face again. Okay, well, so who was Pharaoh? And this slide I added at the end because I remember I was missing something and this was it. They called him the Lord of the two lands because once there was Upper Egypt and there was Lower Egypt. And actually Upper Egypt was south and Lower Egypt was north because the Nile Nile flows north. So it's kind of weird. But... um, the pharaoh, one pharaoh in their history joined both together. So he was called that lord of the two lands, but he was also called high priest of every temple. And they had this idea of universal harmony called Mat. And pharaoh was the human on earth, the representative from the gods who helped maintain this order. And he was considered divinity on earth, God on earth. And yet, all these plagues happened and there was nothing Pharaoh could do about it, nothing at all. And to him, it was a challenge to Egypt, the gods and goddesses, to him as the personification of God on earth. And hardening his heart against God was to him showing loyalty to his gods and his belief that they would prevail. He did not understand how the consequences of his actions would affect his nation, 
and his own family. He didn't seem to care how they affected any them up to this point. And he wasn't going to care. Well, he thought he wouldn't care in the future, but he would. And as I'm thinking about his hardness of heart, I'm also thinking about people here on earth who haven't um, trusted Christ. They don't believe in Jesus, um, living a perfect, sinless life, dying for our sins, rising again, and that by faith in him, we can have a relationship with God. Uh, I know of people, and I'm sure many of you do, who harden their heart. Now, unlike Pharaoh, you know, we pray that the Holy Spirit will harden, will soften the heart, hard hearts to hear the gospel. And that's what we pray for. And I'm thankful that today, at this time anyway, that God is not hardening hearts that are hard already. Instead, he wants to soften them. So let's pray together that the Lord would soften the heart of people around us. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.